So, you know, Ari, in Rise of the Sex Machines, my book that came out, uh, I don't know, when was it? About a year ago now. Um, it did really well. I, I really like it. It was, um, you know, interesting things that you learn after the fact, after you publish a book. But um, one of the things that I had spoken about in the book was about how marriage was going to collapse, how relationships as we think of them are going to collapse. And it will be because it's not practical for whatever reason. When you have a, a society that is premised upon an orgasm, right, that, that turns on that, that's like the, the sun in the solar system is the orgasm, right? Everything turns around that, right? Well, then, then your institutions change, don't they? Um, so the notion of a relationship is not as powerful, right? If, if it's an, if the orgasm uber alles, then, then why would you have, why, why, is, why is the relationship part the important part, right? So if you're just chasing the sexual thrill, then there is no real need for a relationship. Now, before our dear listener says, what are you talking about? Of course, people will always have relationships and that's the way we're built and such. Uh, look, read the book, of course. I mean, I encourage you, borrow a, one if you, borrow a copy if you have to, if you're so inclined. But the fact is that people really are turning away from relationships. The, the facts on the ground agree with, with me. Uh, this Tinder website that has been so powerful has taken over all other dating websites combined. If you are a single person, you are on Tinder because that's where everyone else is. Right? It's, it's a little bit like buying your books from Amazon or from any, anything. You're, you're buying it from Amazon. That's the most likely place to get what you want. Uh, you could buy it a couple of other places uh, if you want to offer it for sale, but you'd be an idiot for not putting it up on Amazon if you're a seller of, of a product. And likewise, if you're showcasing yourself as an individual for a relationship, you are missing out because everyone else is on Tinder. But Tinder focuses on the hookup. It's, it's the main attraction of it. Now, if people decide that they want to have more of a committed thing after being on Tinder and having a, a get-together, well, okay, of course, that's their business and that's their prerogative. But that's not what's really happening. People are, they go into Tinder for a single, single night hookup. And that's that. That's what they expect. Um, okay, so look, I, I understand that. But things have changed in the relationship department. So what has changed? First of all, let's start off with marriage. People are not interested in marriage anymore for a whole bunch of reasons. One is that they think that marriage is just a piece of paper. They think that it is, um, uh, it's patriarchal if you're you know, a diehard feminist. Um, they just, they don't get it. They don't see what the point of marriage is. So it, it seems to be infused with all sorts, of, all sorts of religious symbolism and they don't believe in religion. So what's the point? And never mind, of course, that there are a lot of things that flow by the state recognizing your marriage, whether it's religiously observed or not, right? Among them, wait for it, wait for it, the husband-wife privilege, which is a legal privilege that you cannot get if you are just hooked up as boyfriend and girlfriend. It's not going to happen. 
Right. Most think people participating in these peaceful protests where they happen to murder someone while witnessed by their potential spouse are not taking advantage of this privilege. <laughs> That's true. No, but people don't realize the <laughs> They're not thinking, are they? They don't realize the advantage of the, the husband-wife privilege. We want people to be very, um, very uh, open in discussing matters with their spouse. That's part of the benefit. We think that that's a healthy thing for people to do, right? That, that you want to express your fears and concerns and your hopes and everything else. And uh, you can't do that if you are worried that your spouse will one day be uh, subpoenaed to testify about what you said. So that's why you, that the attorney-client, uh, sorry, the, uh, the husband and wife privilege is so powerful. But, but putting that aside... Um, People also don't get married because they're not interested in having kids. Now, in the old days, you know, mostly men would be the ones who would be reluctant, if anything, uh, about having kids. Now, the women are also not interested in having kids. You have birth strike in birth strike in England, which is now starting to uh, uh, spread across the continent and now to America. This notion that you shouldn't have any kids at all because yeah, you know, children are pollution. Right, exactly right. They suck up uh, the Earth's resources and there's the climate change thing and all that. So that's another reason why. So w what is left? What is left? You know, you, you, you're not interested in marriage. You're not interested in having kids. And so what's the idea? Oh, we're, we're, we're going to be committed to each other? Boyfriend, girlfriend? I don't think so. Well, there's a, another big issue, which is back in the day, people considered their civilization worth preserving and extending. And now that so many of the people who do not share our values or point of view about these multitude of topics right. look at the society as a foul and corrupt and backwards and polluted. Right. There's nothing society. worth preserving. Yeah. There's nothing worth preserving. There's nothing worth extending. And they, they say, why would I ever bring a child to live in this world? Yeah. Ignoring for the fact that in the whole arc of human history, it's, things have never been so good. Right. Marriage was considered a, um, a necessary engagement with society. You, you were doing your part by getting married. It wasn't just that, hey, you know, I, I want to have sex with this person on a committed basis and have children with her, uh, you know, going forward. And that's how it, it wasn't just about you. It was about playing a role in civilization. Now, in, a, in a, an increasingly me, me, me uh, civilization where it's all narcissistic, then the notion of marriage, which is not narcissistic, right? This idea that you are going to give yourself to somebody else and that somebody else will complete you uh, and you will likewise do the same for your, your partner, that is so antiquated. It's such an anachronism. that So they, they don't believe in that crap. So that, that's one thing. So uh, in, in addition, you have this feminist uh, approach that everything that matters is... Uh, that you, you take care of yourself, right? Not only financially, uh, not only socially, but also sexually. Okay, so uh, self-pleasuring is the word of the day. And, uh, you, you know, Annie, go get your orgasm. That's, the, uh, that's also the phrase of the day. And why should you have it only with one man? You should be more like the guys, is, is, the, new, you, is, the, new, is the new mantra, yeah. right? Or as you put out, push out in the book, why should your org, why does it matter where or what your orgasm is derived from? Right, it, right. It's, 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 you know, just have fun and that's that. Yeah, but it doesn't even have to be a, a, a human 
derived yeah, orgasms. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's you know, right. I robots ruin the spoil the buck for <laughs> spoiler anyone alert. Who hasn't seen Terminator, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that these are a whole bunch of cultural factors that are happening, and then they're surprised when a story like the one I'm about to tell you about comes out. And this is a story, and it's called Rise of the Three-Parent Relationship. And it's from The Atlantic. It came out recently. But this is one of many, many articles, my friend. Um, there are articles showing that people are getting together in groups of five. Uh, in one case, and I, I describe it in my new book, uh, Atheism Destroys, there are, uh, it's a group of five, and there's only one woman, and she is dealing with four men, and they're all happy. Thing. Yeah, well, no, she, she says it gets a little tiring. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. <laughs> she said, and she says, interestingly, it would be nice to have another woman in the group. Like, okay, what's stopping you? Just do it. <laughs> Get the, I mean, why stop at five? I have a six person. And, and she, she describes how this is a very normal thing, and that anybody who maintains that all that matters is a two-person relationship and marriage, well, they are they're old-fashioned. They are silly because, gosh, I mean, having three parents, four parents, five parents, it's just awesome because you have that many more people that can help contribute financially to the raising of this child, right? So now maybe you couldn't send them to private school. Well, guess what? Now you can. Uh, now you can, uh, of course, share the burdens of uh, groceries, of uh, sending them to camp, of uh, sending uh, uh, you know, them to the doctor and paying for those expensive doctor bills, and everything else, toys and, and books and you name it. And now you can, you can all share a house together that you couldn't otherwise afford. This kids. is awesome. What a great a plan, and and you're stupid for not realizing this. You understand, Arnie? Yeah, and it's great for the kid because the kid now has three extra parents they can use to play off each other. Whereas most <laughs> yes. people only have two parents. Hey, mom, can I do something? No, daddy. Can I? Can do I? Oh, sure. But mommy said no. Well, I'll talk to her. So now you got the that whole unhealthy dynamic multiplied. Well, it's it's unhealthy and in so many different ways. But the point is that you know there this Atlantic article, and it's worth reading a little bit of it because you know sometimes tone comes out of an article, not just the um, the facts, right? So here it is. David J is the oldest of twelve cousins on one side of his family, and the third oldest of twenty four cousins on the other. As a kid. Family to Jay meant having a lot of people around, a feeling of community, and crucially, a sense of permanence. That those people would always be in his life. Later, as an adult living in a collective housing, he could access the feeling, feeling emphasized, of family with those around him, but the permanence was gone. His roommates started feeling romantic partners, having children, and dispersing. I, I, sorry, I started finding romantic partners and dispersing. Jay had always wanted his own family with kids and had known for almost as long that he wouldn't be able to build one the usual way. Okay. Yeah, by finding a woman and... Um... Yeah. So anyway, they go into a little bit of his background here. I don't want to bore you with that. Um, and he says that ultimately uh, he concluded that it's best to have a third parent. And so you're saying there's a lot of this going on, whether we realize it or not. 
and it's it's just not uh, it's not a rare thing. And you're going to see more of this. It's called polyamory. And in uh, let's see, it, it's it's not just um, allowed in California, by the way. Um, <clears throat> it's been made legal nationally. In- well, no, three parent adoption has, and it's this, this is this is where it's at. Okay, three parent adoption has been recognized in California and now recognized in Maine, Washington State, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Uh, and that's that's interesting, right? Because it has nothing to do with marriage. It's about adoption because people can adopt children, uh, and this is why gay, gay marriage was. Uh, an easy um, segue, as it were, because gay couples were already adopting children, right? So, well, if that's allowed, well, then why wouldn't you encourage marriage between the two gay uh, people, whether man or woman, and uh, so that they could raise the child by saying, this is my, you know, my my marriage. My my parents are married, and that somehow would be meaningful to the child. But, But putting that aside... There's no discussion here now about three-parent families, um, and they don't even talk about marriage among the three. They, it's about the adoption, which means nothing, right? Yeah, because marriage means it. nothing already anyway. Right. You can see there's a very short leap to the you know, Mormon term plural marriage in one way or another as well. Uh, right. <clears throat> for better or worse. And I, I think there's two arguments that are worth just t- touching on. One is the argument that, well, aren't family values family values and shouldn't they be encouraged even in slightly modified forms? That's a good point. Whether it's an argument. Or not, it's, a, it's, a, it's a legitimate argument that can be discussed. The other, which is sort of what I hold to, I believe you hold to it, which is this, which is, well, marriage is a holy thing. It's a sacrament. And when you pervert sacraments, they become... Unsacrament. They become satanic in a certain way. Well, yes, of because course. Because in their perverse form, they're worse than not doing it at all. Okay, well, one, one of the angles, and we'll talk about this in a moment, uh, is that you cannot have a truly bonded parent relationship with your child when you're talking about more than one actually responsible adult. Uh, uh, sorry, two, two actually responsible adults, a mother and father. That is the... Uh, the, the best arrangement possible, right? Now, obviously, if you get divorced, one of your parents dies, et cetera, et cetera, we, there are always exceptions. But to say, to let the, the exception swallow the rule and say that somehow three parents is the same as having two, if not better, uh, then you're really missing out. Because the reality is the child knows that uh, it's the, the intensity of having both a mother and father and understanding this is... You get some things from your mom, you get some things from your dad. But then you add a third person to the mix, it becomes very confusing to the child. Hold on. Let, 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 me, let me move on to, to another point because it's about, this is, this is a, a really key point. Three-parent families are not a new phenomenon. I'm reading from The Atlantic. And Jay doesn't consider himself a trailblazer. Many parents, particularly those who are single or, or, or who have low incomes, have long cobbled together child care by bringing relatives and friends in an informal co-parents, as informal co-parents. Um, according to Philip N. Cohen, a sociologist, a family at the University of Maryland, the idea that the default family unit consists of two straight parents and their children is outdated 
and doesn't reflect the U.S. today. One 2014 Pew Research report, for example, found that fewer than half of American kids lived in this so-called traditional family environment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Divorce and remarriage are more common than they once were, as are blended families and stepfamilies, many of which feature a third parental figure. The queer and polyamorous communities, too, have plenty of examples of three-parent families. Okay. So, so you, see, you see the tone in this? Yeah, well, this they, notion that, wait, the, the times are changing, and they're changing in a good way. We are moving in the right direction. Well, also, it gets into that whole, it's new normal. Yeah. So this change is happening, and it doesn't matter if you don't like it. Right. Get with the times, bigot. But they, they actually hit on exactly what I was about to say, which is so completely ignored by most people and identify this phenomenon. And it's actually the completely obvious point that's missed here. Divorce and remarriage. Right. I have three parents. It's not good. No, it's awful. And it's it's and giving it the imprimatur of legitimacy of going, well, you know, a divorce, remarriage, now your two parents are two parents, but there's one old father over here, blah, 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 blah. You might remarry, you might have four. It, uh, it's so rare when it works well. It's so rare. And 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 right. your point is a well-taken point. <clears throat> it ex- accepts the the reality of the divorce rates, but instead of looking at it and saying, well, maybe we should we, we should do what we can to reduce the divorce rate, and I think that's what you're talking right. about. Right, do the <clears throat> encouraging or incentivizing couples to do the real hard work to make <clears throat> an existing marriage work, right. rather than just throwing it on the fire. Right, and know, then say, and well, now, now that we have this terrible situation, well, let's, let's make a whole new uh, 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 Parallelical uh, situation, right? Where where things are even worse in that situation. Well, instead of going, I mean, look, I'm a mountain biker, right? So in mountain biking, why do I bring mountain biking? In mountain biking, you have to choose your line all the time. Meaning that you're going down a hill, you take what appears to be one path, and then you realize, oh, crap, this is awful. I got to go back up. So you choose your line and you have to live with it, so to speak. And it's hard to sometimes say, look, I, I went down the wrong path. I'm going to bring my bike back up and go down the right path. I think with the divorce situation where they're simply accepting that divorce is so rampant and instead of you know, bringing the bike back up, so to speak, and saying, okay, let's go down the right path, what we need to do is, is to see what we can do to alter this horrific divorce rate. Um, instead of having no-fault divorce, for example, instead of encouraging divorce whenever things go slightly wrong, uh, instead of taking God out of the marriage contract uh, and, and then you know, people just deciding, well, it's just not good for me anymore, therefore, and, and, and when they don't have a sense of God in this altogether, that's why they divorce. Divorce is not a good thing. It's, it's um, very unhealthy for the kids especially. Um, it's not even so good for the parents themselves. And, and I, I, as someone who experienced it and speaks with knowledge of it, I would call it a satanic thing. Yeah. It's that same idea that here's a marriage, here's the family, here are children, it's a sanctified thing, now let's pervert it. And one other thing that I think is just so ironic in the modern age on this, to this subject in this article, I love, oh, I love with delicious irony, how it's written from the point of view like people give a flying you-know-what about the kids. When back in the 70s, when my parents divorced, it was all about 
as the parents' perspective, my happiness, not me as the kid's happiness, right. me as the parents' happiness. I'm not fulfilled. I'm being mistreated. He doesn't respect me. He doesn't earn enough money. Blah, 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 blah. What about your kids? Oh, screw them. They'll be happy if I'm happy. Right. You know, so they switch the whole narrative focal point yeah, yeah. to go well see how wonderful it'll be for the children with private school how a uh, house with a yard over their head a dog you know blah 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 because we have a five person polyamorous yeah takes a village situation right. well it's B, it's bs and uh exactly. putting, putting aside the fact that when something has to be done let's say you know somebody's got to babysit johnny okay yeah so when you have a two-parent situation you know, the one has to go to work, the other one has to, to take care of Johnny. Um, and now you have a three-person or four-person or five-person parental situation. How do they divvy that up, right? No, I, I took care of Johnny. I mean, it, there's much more room for squabbling. They're drivers and they split shifts. That's right. It's right. The, the more people you have, the more there, there is room for accusations of not pulling your weight. Yeah, right? points of failure, actually, okay. not points of success. Exactly right. It's The more parts you have in a car, for example, the more opportunity there is for a breakdown. Okay, uh, let's. I want to read more about this <clears throat> because it's really fin- fin- uh, fascinating. Formalizing, formalizing these families through law, as Jay has done, is a relatively new possibility. Diane Adams, the founder of Chosen Family Law Center, says that interest in this option has been growing over the past 15 years, spurred by the increasing acceptance of queer families and the popularity of assisted reproduction technologies. Okay, in Adams' experience, applications for three-parent adoption succeed most commonly when the triad consists of a same-sex couple, usually female, and the male sperm provider who plans to be a platonic co-parent. Okay. Um, look, <clears throat> I don't even know where to begin with this one. The, 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 poss- the What you're hearing there, again, is tone that this is something that has resulted from the acceptance of gay marriage. I mean, they, they went and called it queer marriage. Fine. I, I'll, I'll accept whatever language they want for that. But this is what we've been saying. For 15 years, when, when we said, if you allow for gay marriage, you can expect people to clamor for uh, polygamy. And all sorts of new... Yeah, yeah, all sorts of new arrangements, polyamory and otherwise. And here we are. I mean, you know, I I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. But it wasn't hard for us to tell you, and I say this for Ari also because I know he he felt the same way. We told you so, and it wasn't very hard to predict. When you pluck God out of the marriage institution, then anything goes. You you just don't get it, guys. the reason why people get married is because they have a sense that God wants them to get married. They have a sense that God has imposed an obligation upon them to get married. God doesn't want us to just kind of, I don't know, chase one orgasm after the other. He just doesn't. You know, he wants us to engage in relationships and very deep relationships. And the best way to do that is through marriage. Yes, very hard work. Yes. You will disagree. But when you have a deeply strong relationship, a deeply strong marriage, great things come out of that. And uh, epiphanies and realizations and spirituality that you simply can't get from hooking up one night after the other and just getting this, you know, orgasmic thrill. P.S. This may come as a shocker to a lot of people, but sex within a marriage, if done right, uh, is far more gratifying. 
It's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good. I, I would also like to make two quick points on that. <clears throat> the first is the aesthetics of the word choice. The irony that those of us okay. who had a problem with redefining marriage were called homophobes, and then they cavalierly used the word queer in there, which is like the equivalent of when you see an Antifa or Black Lives Matter, specifically, actually, even more ironically, a Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter protester screaming and calling a black policeman N-word at a protest. Yes. It's just ironic and delicious beyond belief. The second is the idea of sexual gratification. Okay. They gave us their example, and follow this closely, because the follow the bouncing ball here, because this goes to the insane level. They talk about a, a lesbian relationship in which there's a platonic sperm donor. Right, right. Okay, well, if he's a platonic sperm donor, I will assume that the deposition of that sperm was through non-natural means. So where's his sexual gratification uh, coming exactly from? Right, exactly what right. What you have there is two lesbians and a eunuch. Where does he see, right? where does that child of that relationship, of that threesome there, where does he see the intense love that he needs to see between his parents? And I say between, not a monk, right? That's the difference. Uh, one of the great things that a, and you're a child- the passion uh, laid upon the- Yes, the yes, so hold on. So one of the things that I love is uh, when my children see my wife and I ho holding hands, hugging each other, giving a, a, a you know a peck on the cheek to each other, you look lovely, sweetie. How are you doing? Uh, they love that. They, it, it gives them a sense of great gratification that there's a bonding there. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have that with the, the the other situation we're talking about. Okay, now I want to read further from this article because the next one is even more interesting. Yeah, here it is. Just as marriage provides benefits that cohabitation doesn't, legal triparenting creates stability and rights that less formal arrangements lack. Okay, that's, that's the number one thing. According to Adams, in triparenting arrangements that aren't legally recognized, a break between the two legal parents might mean that the third parent can be denied access or custody to the child, even if they've always been an important and beloved part of the child's life. Okay, so... You see how the whole tone of this, Ari, is, is that tri-parenting is the new normal. In fact, it's even better than the, uh, the old way of doing things because it's so inefficient and such. And, and therefore, you're a moron if you don't go through this three-parent thing. And, and look at the language that he's choosing about love and the break. You know, if, if this thing happens where two of the parents... Are, are left uh, high and dry, or sorry, they break up, then the third parent, well, he, he might not be recognized. And somebody uh, who doesn't love him, um, like some relative, for example, might uh, take over. And that would be a bad, bad thing. You see, they're thinking about the consequences, but only when it comes to a consequence of not planning in the first place, right? Yeah. It's, it's strange because, so the answer, the obvious answer is, well, listen, have a contract among the three of you and for, for sure have a will or a trust or some sort of a state that, that contemplates that to the extent that the natural biological parents die, that uh, everything goes, at least with respect to custody, uh, to this third parent. Right? So basically what he's saying is, you know those people who are in normal marriages because they're responsible people and they have normal estate planning processes? Yes. Well, rather than being one of those, 
if you're in one of these, uh, let me lament how irresponsible you are as a person going in because you're probably going to be irresponsible on the other end of your estate planning, too. Yes, exactly and right. The last thing we'd ever want is a Trump-voting, Werther's-candy-giving, doting grandmother to take possession of the child in the event of the death of two nice, woke, liberal parents, <laughs> or three, four, yes, five yes. of them. What I love about this article is gets, it gets more and more transparent as you read it. Uh, the further down the article you go. So here's the next uh, paragraph. For Adams, try parenting. There it is. There's the phrase. Yeah, these are trying to parent. Great. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I like that. Sorry, try, it was almost too easy. <laughs> try, T-R-I, dash parenting, is a way of reclaiming the, quote, diversity and beauty of the queer community. Hold unquote. on. Drinking game. Drink. <laughs> they said diversity. Drink, drink, drink. When it comes to queer rights, the big fight of past decades has been to legalize gay marriage. Um which has been significant, but has also played into the narrative that the two-parent family is and should be the default structure, okay? Quote, that has taken away some of the power of being able to live radically queer lives without needing to fit into a capitalist, patriarchal structure of a nuclear family, unquote, Adams told me. All right. <laughs> uh, he probably goes on to further say that, you know, if you're a parent and you're addicted to heroin, don't worry about quitting heroin. Just learn to live as a heroin junkie well, and a find, parent. Yeah, it's very funny. The, the, the thing that I find most amusing about this particular paragraph is how it's tri-parenting is important for purposes, you know, not for the child. No, 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 no. It's... It's for the benefit of the queer community so they they are able to live their radically queer lives without, you know, without consequence, without judgment, right? Yeah, and as I said before, I believe that, you know, look at the irony. This person is a queer-friendly person by his own admission and language here, but queer is a slur. Well, so he's okay. slurring the only community. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm simply saying I'm using his own words. No, so I know you're reading Whether it's his, a slur or yeah. not, I don't know, and I don't really care. That's not really the purpose of this. Yeah. The purpose is, though, that, that he's, he's revealing that what he's really doing here is, like, he wants to normalize whatever life he's living, gay or, you know, whatever it is. polygamous or whatever it is. Yeah. He wants that to be normal, 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 right? <clears throat> and not fit into that crazy capitalist patriarchal structure of a nuclear family. I mean, it's just dripping with contempt the way that, that he says it, even though you can't. Right. So he here, uses the welfare of the child as a shivalet to fight for... <laughs> The alternative well, lifestyle movement, the, not the, the, for the this child particular itself. paragraph reveals that there's no interest of the child at, at heart right. here whatsoever. All right, so so then they, he writes, Jay's family is one step removed from what a quote traditional unquote three parent structure looks like. It doesn't have roots in assisted reproduction or even polyamory, but rather in the ideas about relationships that Jay has been considering for most of his life. Okay, did he say one step removed? No, uh, that he has been considering for most of his life. All no, right? but this is one step removed from normal? Is that what no, you said? No, no, no. This is like 40 steps. Oh, removed. it is one step removed. Right. I'm sorry, you're right. That's yeah, my first point. Thing. It's 40 steps removed from normal. Yes. It's not only... Well, all yeah. you're say, our, 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 what you're saying is this is so wackadoodle, but I, yes. and I agree with you, but that's not the point. The point is... And what's so interesting about this article is how it, it it speaks so lovingly of this relationship because you know what? These three people, they they... They're going to love this child. They sure are. Yeah, love is love. And yeah, and yeah. and they're just they're bringing more money to the table, and they're going to share in terms of 
you know, maybe paying for his child, you know, his tuition and for the groceries and for the diapers and, and the summer camps and all the things that, that, you know, are involved when you're raising a child. That's the, uh, that, that's how wonderful this thing, Ari, is. And I thank you very much not to belittle it because, you know, it is high time that people get to live their radically queer lives uh, through the use of uh, raising a child. Yes. All right. This is how whack, this is a wackadoodle article. Well, I'm glad you told me that, Barack, because now I know what the true reason I actually had two children of my own, so I could use them as a reason to live a radically yeah. alternative lifestyle rather than doting on them. Well, why not say? I mean, using the same logic here, let's say, I mean, gay or not, you're, you're, you know, uh, you just simply want to go swinging, okay, and you want because you love the idea of not being committed to just one person and you love the idea of having multiple partners and perhaps her wife does too. She's okay with it and even wants it. Okay, so we should have a lifestyle where everyone swings with everyone else and the kids that you have, let's say two or three or four children, get to see their parents uh, inviting different people into the house, knowing that they have sexual relations with these various random people and they're normalizing it. Oh, this is great, isn't it? It's time to, to get out of that box of the capitalist, patriarchal society. I mean, these people say these words as though it's, as though, as though those words are inherently demonic, for one thing. And by saying these high vocabulary SAT words, right, patriarchal, capitalist, uh, and, and normative, and things like this, that somehow it, it lends legitimacy to the overall ridiculous point, which is that somehow this will work. It won't. Yeah, and is air cover for their own demonic behaviors. Yes. Because, you know, it's like a marriage is a sanctified union before God. Yeah. And when you pervert a marriage that's sanctified before God in a way that makes it perverse, it by definition becomes a demoniac activity. Right, demonic. Let me uh, move on to the next uh, thing because this is interesting too. More than a decade ago, Jay wrote his senior thesis on the question of what differentiates sexual relationships from non-sexual ones, besides obviously the sex and why we treat them so differently. <laughs> Isn't the sex the only thing that separates them? His conclusion then and now centers around permanence or at least the expectation of it. Quote, when a relationship becomes sexual and it becomes romantic, it's not only that those things generate emotion, which they do, he told me, it's that suddenly this relationship could be defining your entire future in a way that a friendship doesn't have the same implied potential to be defining your future, unquote. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> so, because <laughs> Captain Obvious, straight out of the sky, yeah. ready to say what's what. <laughs> Yeah, right. The it's different you know, of a dog man book, you know, that kind of tone is what I was just thinking. I know, exactly Thank right. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing I want to say about that is it's uh, for him not to realize. I mean, he says it in passing. Of course, it involves emotion. The question is, why does it involve emotion, right? I mean, these are questions he doesn't ask, right? These, these are key questions that many of such people don't bother asking. A, why is sex so pleasurable? Why? Why is it so intensely pleasurable? B, why, uh, do, why has it been around for, for thousands of years that we have the idea of marriage, that it should be between one man and one woman all this time? Why? Right? Might there be a reason? 
You know, yeah, like, and all of that's answered in your book. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, Rise of the Sex Machines. For those who've read the book, you all know these answers. Right. But people, it's really amazing to me how people never bother to ask questions. Why are things the way they are? It doesn't have to be about just about sex, by the way, sex right. or marriage. Just why are things the way they are? Why why do we drive on the right side of the road, for right. example? Why okay? do we have stoplights? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Why? I mean, why? Yeah, I wonder why. I mean, it would be so convenient if I didn't have to stop at this stoplight. Yeah. Um, but you get the idea. So, but why? I mean, there's a history to it, by the way, why we drive on the right side of the road. There's a history to a lot of things. Why do we discourage uh, people from having a lot of sexual partners before marriage? Why was that taboo before in the ancient days, and why is it to a much lesser extent today? Um, why is it that, um, we have, that we have kids at all? Why, why is it that kids are the product of a sperm and an egg uh, delivered by a male and a female, respectively? Why, why, if, if the goal is just to reproduce, why don't we just clone ourselves, right? Why don't we just you know, grab a little of uh, Ari's hair and uh, put it in the ground, and next thing you know, here comes another Ari David, Ooh. which is maybe a little scary like proposition yeah. for most of our listeners. Really? But nevertheless, there it is, okay? So I don't know, Ari. It's a, th- these people just don't ask questions of why, why are things the way they are? And one of the key questions is, wh- I mean, how was marriage invented in the first place? Right? If we went to the, to the way back machine and, you know, somehow decided we've got to stop. You know, it's one of those time travel movies, right? You decide to go back to the past to stop Hitler from being born, let's say, and then there wouldn't be a World War II, right? Wouldn't that be great? Um, and we want to go back now in that time because marriage is such a patriarchal, capitalist, oppressive structure, right? So let's go back to that time before that evil man, and presumably it was a man, who... Uh, invented the concept of marriage and kill him, right? So that he can't advance the idea of marriage to anybody and uh, thereby we no longer have that capitalist patriarchal structure called marriage. Yeah. Okay, how would the world look like, right? The world would look like, wait for it, wait for it, be patient, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, it would, it would not be a very pretty place. Uh, you know, no. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Leave it to you. Sorry, but Sodom and Gomorrah was actually a product of marriage in this regard, because it was a perversion. It was a perverse place that didn't do it, but they knew about marriage. If there was no marriage, humanity would have never advanced as far Even as that Sodom yes, and Gomorrah. Exactly. There'd be no cities. All right. Thank you for that <laughs> rabbit hole that you took us down. But. No, I it's a, it's no I, I, I understand what you're saying. We, we wouldn't even get there is all you have to say. Right. I get that. But it would be uh, just a horrific situation where, and, and these people don't even, they assume that marriage was created by a man for the sake of uh, oppressing women. But wait a minute, let me get this straight. In all the movies I've ever seen, at least romantic comedies and such, it's always the woman who seems to be the one pushing for marriage, right? Yes. And it's always the man who's the reluctant one. And so, and, and I mean, look, we could all speak from basic experience. A man, the notion of monogamy for a man is not as instinctive as it is for a woman. Okay, it's just not. And somehow we're imposing it on, on women to, for the purpose of uh, oppressing them, no less, you, you understand. That's the weird thing I never understood. Anyway, so going back to this article, um, it, it, it makes all these bizarre assumptions and uh, wrongfully assumes that 
and doesn't ask the questions that, that I think are so important to ask. So he's, he's suddenly saying, you know, what is a relationship? What's the difference and such? Well, <laughs> there is a reason why sex changes the relationship. We all know that. As soon as, you know, you may have multiple dates with a woman and then finally you, you know, you, you finally have sex together. And, and we all know that that changes everything. It's not just the orgasm. It's a lot of fun. But the relationship, the dynamic between the two of you has now changed. Hopefully for the better. There's this new understanding between the two of you. There's this intimacy that has just happened. And you don't just, it's not the same as just saying we just shared an ice cream cone together. Right? You don't say, well, there was the before the time we had the ice cream, and now there's after the time we had the ice cream. And by golly, I'm so glad that we, we, yeah, we took that, that very important step yeah. of having ice cream together. You know, ice cream is very tasty and a lot of fun. Yes. But it's not going to change your relationship, okay? <laughs> yeah, imagine if you took that analogy. Remember that time before we shared our intimate flesh? <laughs> now we're in the time we just, after we shared our intimate flesh. Let's just go have some ice cream now. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't yeah. want to take it to the next level, the ice cream business. I mean, right. uh, you and I are good friends, man. But I, I, yeah. you know, ice but cream, it's, like, it's, that's not, I'm not, yeah. I, I, I have to ask my wife whether that's okay. Yeah. It's like this article is a product of a whole slew, and we've talked about this before, of people who don't ask any questions about anything. Like, I was in a store, and I ran into someone who said, God, I hate plastic. And I turned to this dumb woman, and I said, oh, Really? Do you like fresh meat available to you every day where you're not going to get disease from it? Yeah, you know? that's a great point. She goes, what are you talking about? I go, plastic is what makes that possible. Yes, of course. You know? And she looked at me as if I was speaking an alien dialect. Of course, it was, because it is an alien dialect yeah. to her. That, that's exactly is an alien dialect. Well, but, but these are the same people. Like, one of the things that people don't understand, what a, one of the major differences between the present day of the past is a cleanliness, right? We have far fewer diseases, and when we do have disease, it's far less impactful upon our society as a whole. We're not going to have the plague the same way that Europe had the plague several times over, right? Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen for a variety of reasons, but mostly because of cleanliness and running water and assumptions that people make. Uh, now, we all take, uh, you know, it's assumed that we'll have a shower once or so a day, uh, that's like your obligation to society, unless you're French, in which case you take it once every three months or something like that. That's another. That's uh, that's that's a truism. I mean, I don't look at me that way. I, it's fair. I'm not. It's a fair I'm statement. Agreeing with you, <laughs> I like cleanliness. But the French do not. Okay. There we said we said our and little I'm sure job. The Afghani's don't either. Okay. Afghani's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, the reason why the French. Don't take that many showers is because water is very expensive in France. Uh, Thank you, know, you, socialism. That's exactly why, yeah. for socialism. But that's another story. But that, again, that's the why, right? We, we have to ask these questions. Why are things the way they are? And even with water and all these diseases and such. But at the time, if you were to say, uh, you know, they would just say, well, the reason why we have leprosy, the reason why we have all these horrible diseases is because uh, we, we just don't know. They didn't even know what a germ was. They didn't ask these questions about what prompts these things. And it was the asking of these questions that improved the world. But you can also go backwards in these things, as, as what happened in the 1960s with the hippie movement, where they decided not to have any showers, where they decided to have sex so much more rampantly with free love and everything else, because by golly, they discovered that sex was kind of fun, and they figured that they were the first generation to discover sex, as they say. 
only to find out that it turns out that there's a whole bunch of STDs associated with sex, and which exploded in number and size and, and virility. Uh, likewise with diseases uh, resulting from lack of cleanliness. Tremendous explosion. Yeah, diseases that were extinct for hundreds of years roared back. Suddenly back. They roared back, yeah. Uh, like a time machine, really, when you think about it. Oh, you, you think that Jurassic yeah, Park was significant. Yeah, you, you think that Jurassic Park, all you have to do is not shower. You'll get, you'll get certain things from hundreds of years ago, yeah. at least. So that, that's a big problem. Um, they, did, they do not care to ask these questions. And now, and Thomas Wolfe called that the great relearning. Now you have this new generation doing exactly the same thing, thinking that sex is just, you know, fun thing to do. Let's just have it. Never asking themselves, why is it so intensely pleasurable? They want, they want society, Ari, to turn on sex, right? So that's why so many of the big issues of the day are in some way sex-related. Uh, gay marriage, of course, sex-related, right? Yeah, abortion. Abortion. Um, trans, the trans, transgender issue, of course, is all about sexuality, like how, you, how you chase your orgasm. Yeah. Equal pay for equal work, last daily, is about sex, literally. Yes, it is. Because it's it, about what's between your legs, so right. to speak, right? So everything about it is somehow turning around the sun, uh, you know, being a sexuality one way or the other. And they don't ask, why is it so intensely pleasurable, like we just talked about? And it, they, they want to live in a... It's like a little kid who, who says... If I were, when I'm a grown-up, all I'll have to eat is ice cream all day long, right? That's what, you know what, that's, that's maybe a perfect example. Because, by golly, sex is so pleasurable, and why can't I just have it as much time as I want every day? Never thinking what would happen if they actually got what they wanted. Let's say, just for the sake of discussion, and fantasy for some of you listeners out there, including all of us, really, let's say that sex was so prevalent and so available that you, as a man, could go down the street and you see a really pretty woman and you kind of, you know, wink an eye to her and boom, she's automatically available for you for sexually. Okay, and she has just as much interest as you do in having sex and it's just as easy for her and there's no danger whatsoever, of it, you know, from a rape point of view or anything else like that. You just... You just, whoever you want on the street or in your building or anywhere in your neighborhood, you can have her and, and vice versa. She can have you. Okay. And therefore, you can have sex as much time as you want. So four, six, eight times a day, who knows? Um, what would happen to such a society, right? You would, you would never get any work done. You wouldn't focus on anything. You would just constantly be enjoying the pleasures of the flesh and all the, you know, the pre-sex, the actual sex, and the post-sex, and, and just enjoying all that. Well, more importantly, children would be everywhere who are unloved, well, unraised that, with any discipline or values, and within two or three generations, the society would absolutely collapse and fall apart. Right. Well, yeah, you're not even saying that, that that would necessarily result in women being pregnant from them because they would have... Uh, plenty of birth control. You're talking about the existing children would would uh, would ultimately not be loved because there'd be so little attention paid to them. I think that's a fair statement. It's a very fair statement. But they don't understand what, why is sex there? Why is it so pleasurable? Does it need to be contained at all? They don't even ask that question. That, I guess that's the key. Do they have a sense that there should be any limit on sex what? whatsoever? Yeah. That's the key. In the same way, 
Now, you and I think as adults about ice cream or French fries. Pick, pick whatever your favorite food might be, your, your, your uh, indulgent, indulgence food might be. Think about that, right? If you, now, now you think about sex, which is ultimately uh, far more pleasurable than having a great ice cream. And that you can now just do it without consequence, without worry of any kind whatsoever. And likewise, on her end, same thing. What kind of society would we have? Of course there should be limits on sex in terms of the way you view sex yourself. And or channeled into healthy versions. Right. There's, a, there's a time and a place for sex. That's the point. And this article, and for that matter, this new wave of interest in, uh, in, in polygamous relationships uh, is overwhelming, and, and they take no consideration about the way things can be when you have a rampantly sexualized society. But that's all, that's where we're heading, my friends. And that the reason why we're heading there is because we have abandoned God as the center of our, what our civilization should be. Instead, we're making it all about sexuality. We should never go there. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.